0: Hola! Hola! Bienvenidos a
1: Conversaciones con Colegas. Colegas! I'm Lucero. And I'm Maggie.
0: And we are
1: Latin Exchange, a bilingual education community.
0: So, we are back for our another episode in our second season, and we have another amazing educator joining us today. TikTok superstar. Um, Ray, right? La Reinita. Yes. 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 Hi, everyone.
2: Um, my name is Reina Guerra and I go by Ray or La Reinita on TikTok. Nice to meet everyone. I don't know what type of introduction you would like from me. So I'm just like, hi. No,
1: yeah. Go ahead and share a little bit more about yourself. Yeah. Us. Um,
2: I got into, uh, I am an educator. I teach special education at the middle school level. Um, In California, my certification is different than it is in Arizona. So for Arizona, I'm certified for like secondary ed, and I have an um, approved area of math. Um, But um, I started in education as a tutor in a program called AVID, which now I have a lot of feelings about as I've grown and stepped uh, stepped into different spaces of my life. and i realized i loved it at the time i was going to be a lawyer i was going to be an attorney i was going to go into civil rights humanitarian law something like that and uh, i remember being in the classroom working with these kids and one of the observers was like uh, i don't know why you're going to be a lawyer this is what you're good at and i thought that i was like nah nah i'm gonna be an attorney i'm gonna be a lawyer whatever right and she asked honest question why do you want to be a lawyer and i was like because I want to change things, I want to help. And this has never left me, but she said, this is where you change the world. And I thought that was beautiful. I was like, damn. And it hit me kind of hard at that point, but at that point I was 22 with a child. Um, I am a mom, I have a 14 year old son. And I was like, well, okay, let's give attorneys a shot. Didn't work out, came back. I am now a math teacher for eighth grade in the city of Mesa, Arizona. I have my bachelor's in political science because of law. Um, And I have my master's in special education uh, where I focused on mild to moderate disabilities from Cal State East Bay out in Hayward, California. Shout out East Bay. And um, yeah, now I'm here and I started making TikToks because I felt like there wasn't enough voice for educators. I felt like every time a decision was being made about education, it was about people who don't do our job and about people who don't understand what goes on day to day, as they say, in the trenches. um, Which is kind of sad that we're analogous to war, but, um, you know, um, I was like, I need to start talking about what we see every day, especially as teachers of color. Um, I think maybe 10 or 12 of us on my campus are teachers of color. And we have a 1000 students 95% of them are brown and black students. And so there's this massive, you know, difference in how we see each other, how we speak to each other, how we interact with each other. And I wanted to be kind of facilitating that kind of um, change and start talking about and naming about that, uh, those issues. So that was a big introduction, but hello
0: no and that's I mean that's huge to our mission and vision as Latin exchange right we want to create that space and that community for everything that's going on behind the scenes that people aren't seeing to be able to touch on the and those who do make the decisions, so that they begin to understand that we need our voices in the decision making as well like we need to be at the table and we recently were just talking about this, about how policy doesn't always include the black and brown, Spanish-speaking multilingual students. Right. So We need to make sure we incorporate that more. Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially
2: when your campus is like all black and brown students, um, there kind of needs to be a conversation as to how do we make sure everyone is included. Um, And, there's massive differences from Arizona to, you know, the North of California. And, um, it's when I returned home, I am born and raised from Arizona. Um, I'm a little country kid. Um, I actually had my boots somewhere right here. I was going to put them on, but then we started talking. Um, and I think it really started to like amplify what I was like feeling when I started seeing those things. I was like, yo, this is wrong. This is really wrong. Um, there are kids every day. The day, three three students today, this week, cried, just cried to me because they were like, Miss, these teachers are mean to me. And I was like, yo, you need to like, I was like, you know, I'm going to hear you. I want to validate what you're feeling. I want to validate what you're saying. Uh, but one, your parents need to know. Tell your mom, tell your dad, your tia, tío, nana, whoever's raising you. Um, I mean, you just start having a conversation about how we treat kids as humans and not as like, um, not like demoting them to like, you listen to me, you only listen to me and there's not a communication. So, um, I mean, I've been watching your TikToks, I follow and I'm like, yeah, yeah. Like every time I see something, I'm just like, "Mm -mm -mm," like that. (laughs) Uh, I think you see my go-to comment is like the 100s. (laughs) I'm just like, yeah, because you see the same things and you see it all the time.
1: I speak emoji too all the time and really you know to to what you're saying is that you know it really it speaks volumes.
0: Yeah it it definitely does to see that educators across the board and across the country are seeing and witnessing the exact same things and and I mean it's unfortunately because of the system right we don't have enough Latinx educators that are willing to stay in the field. It is very difficult, it is very hard. And that's what we're trying to push for. We need more people who understand the students that we are serving. We need more people who speak their languages so that this stops happening because I feel like the disconnect is what's causing the issues. And I was shocked to even learn about my school. I'm currently in grad school and I've done a lot of research on my own, the own school that I'm serving currently. and it is in a very much predominantly Hispanic neighborhood. It's considered a low income neighborhood. And the majority of our students are black and brown students. And yet more than 50% of our educators are white. And more than 50% of our educators commute from very far away to come teach at our school. So it's like, why are we not attracting teachers who live in the neighborhood, who serve the neighborhood? And that's another thing that we We need to address in education as well.
2: Absolutely. Um, I think one of the things that I noticed like, one, congrats on being in grad school. Also, I am sorry. I understand. (laughs) Yes, thank you. Um, I feel when you said you're in grad school, my heart was like, ooh. Um, I remember uh, very vividly um, being able to walk into a room on my first day of grad school, and I had already met. Oakland does one. Uh, First of all, I'll start with Oakland does amazing things. Oakland has a very uh, special space in my heart. Um, When I moved to Oakland, it was on a whim. My friend was like, yo, I got a job in the Bay, you wanna come? And I felt like I had been stagnating in Arizona. I'm, I'm spinning my wheels, I'm not getting anywhere. And I was like, yeah, I do. I left, I got seven job offers in a five day period. Um, In Arizona, I had sent out over 50 resumes and wasn't getting anywhere. That's why I go by Ray. I don't go by Reina because I was noticing the difference in my callbacks um, when I had a more masculine, not Latin presenting name versus Reina. I have like four R's in my name. You can tell I'm Latin. Like there's, you could tell. Um, And... um, so as I'm there, as I'm doing things, you know, I'm getting started in this job. I worked at a high school called Fremont out in uh, the East Bay, 47th and High Street, 47th and Foothill. Um, so I go down there, I'm doing my thing. And one of the principals approached me and said, have you heard of this program? It's called Maestros. And they support Latin teachers through their certification. They'll, they'll pay your first semester tuition. Um, and it's like a support group. And we did a lot of talk about like indigenous education and how we return to our roots as many of us were of indigenous uh, descent. And um, how do we return to community education? Um, A sense of being in a circle, a sense of like, there is no hierarchy here. We are a community. Um, And it was a beautiful thing. First day of grad school, I walked in and I like made eye contact with one of the guys who was in the, um, in the program. And he was like, my girl. He was like, come over here. So I had a support team. I had a system. I hope you have that because it is tough without one. Um, Now we have like a group chat and stuff. We're homies. Um, The stark differences I'm seeing though is Arizona's like, no, we're not going to, we don't have any of those groups. We don't see a need for that. And I'm like, yeah, but look at your dropout rate for Latin students. Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't you need a program Uh, We also have, we have a cool program on campus that is directed towards the empowerment of Black youth at my campus right now. And I was like, dude, yes, yes, absolutely. Um, Whatever I have to do to support this, I will do. Like, this is awesome. The fight for the progression, the protection, and the liberation of the Black community is the fight for everyone. Um, And communities of color and the fight against white supremacy. So I'm like, yeah, I'm Embra like 110%. We have things like that, we don't see, what I'm not seeing is a level of being able to identify within like our school campus. I've not seen this um, identification of one's own implicit biases and the work on them. I don't think that what some of the teachers on campus do realize that it is at its root a white supremacist ideology. I know there are good intentions. I know that um, there is a sense of like, I need it this way for a purpose. However, um, what I'm noticing is that it feels more like control and it hurts my kids. Uh, The last thing they need is one more person yelling at them. Um, And as black and brown kids, as communities of color, I was like, the last thing they need is another white person yelling at them. I was like, we've all, unfortunately, we've all experienced it and it's aggressive and it chips away at your sense of identity and being proud in that identity. And I don't want that to start. I don't, I want that to end.
0: Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about, because I'm looking at the form that you filled out and you said that you're very yeah. passionate about t- talking about teacher and worker rights. And I'm curious to know yeah. how much of your political science background that plays in, or how much of it is just, like, oh, a ton. A natural passion.
2: <laughs> fine. fine. Um, so I got into uh, what really got me into law. At my heart, I'm a musician. If I could just, like, I'm a musician. I want to hang out with my family. Um, I know someone the other day was like, if you could eliminate one thing from your daily routine, what would it be? And I was like, work, bro. Work. <laughs> um i'm coming to a point in my life where i realize that there is so much more to this experience on this planet and within this existence than me making money for some capitalist ideology and um i was like why money isn't even real things are abstract as hell like <laughs> you want me to go make fake money that shows up in an account that i could alter if i was able to hack you know what i'm saying like it's all fake um What's real is connection. What's real is people. What's real is how you make them feel. People don't forget that. I never forgot that woman's sentiment and that um, I hear her voice. Now when she had told me this is where you change the world. I will never forget that I will never forget the teachers. I had that were really made me feel seen and um, that got me into political uh, political science. I always had a feeling like there's things that are wrong. And there are things that need to be identified and fixed. Uh, My grandfather was a very big social justice person. My grandfather uh, used to work in the fields of Arizona and California. He worked the circuit up and down. And he said he never knew what it was like to begin or end a school year because he was working. He's like, I don't know what it's like to begin or end a school year. I started school in October. I left in March. Wow. um, Because they were working. Um, I actually have a really cool thing right here that will be the next tattoo. This is what my grandfather used in the fields when he was cutting lettuce. Wow. There's some tools that were passed down to me. And I don't know what this was for, but it's to do something. I don't know. It's a pokey thing. But my grandma gave it to me because she was like, nah, you're into this and it's it's yours now. Uh, he unfortunately passed to COVID at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, so he was the one who really got me into political science and history and you know the fight for equal rights, because he was like, "I remember what it was like to look out into the field, and all you saw was Mexicans and Filipinos and black folks.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: He Because, I remember what it was like to not be able to speak my language at school because teachers would hit you." He goes, "I remember seeing teachers push kids and punch kids, and that was not okay. Um, And he, from a very young age, he taught us how to box because he thought that we were going to get beat up for being Mexican and and native like he did. Um, So we all grew up knowing how to fight people (laughs) because he was like, you never know. Yeah. Protect yourself. And I was like, okay, Papa, (laughs) Like, like, we all got to throw a punch very young um, and take one Um, (laughs) because you got to learn. Uh, He was very big on that. He influenced me and then I got into high school. I always had pretty good grades. While I did get pregnant in high school, I did graduate um, with pretty good grades. And one of the grades I received that got me into politics was, I got a I got a 100 on a civics test, um, civil rights in civics. And they said, um, you yeah, know, you're good at this. My teacher was like, you know your stuff. She's like, you read these things and you can respond to them, you know this is amazing, you should go into this. And I was like, yeah, why not? So I went, especially being pregnant and 17, I was like, yeah, I should probably go to college. Got into college, started doing my thing. And as I'm going through these political science classes, I'm noticing things. I'm looking around at the classes and I'm like, I'm like the only brown person here. And I'm not even like brown complected. But I can tell that there's a difference between me and everybody else here at the community college level, at Arizona State. And I was like, oh, this is different. Um, it wasn't until I got into higher level political science classes that I started seeing a few more brown people. turns out we're related. Um, his cousin is my cousin. Um, yeah, I was like, yeah. welcome. Find- if you come down in Arizona and you're of Mexican descent, you have to be like, who's your Nana? and where she's from. And turns out we're cousins. Uh, his cousin is my cousin. But um, as I'm going through there, I'm also noticing they don't have to work as a job as they're going to school. Their cars are nice. They don't have hand-me-downs. They're able to park in the parking spaces because you have to pay to park on campus that you're paying tuition for. Um, they're able to park on campus in a place that is closer to the school, which means that you had to pay more to get there. I had to park in a lot, I think it was lot 72, which was almost a quarter mile away from the school and had to take a shuttle into the campus because I could not afford it. I also lived uh, an hour away Mm -hmm. because I live in the middle of nowhere and I'm noticing these stark differences and I'm like, why? Why? Um, They were getting internships and I'd be like, yo, how much they pay you for that? Oh, I don't get paid and I'm like, yo, how do you live? How do you do that? Yeah. How does one spend their time that you will never get back? You'll never get the time back for no money mm-hmm. in a capitalist society. Turns out their family have money and I'm, I'm trying to understand how that all works. Become a teacher. And unfortunately I find out in Arizona, Arizona's 50th in the nation for teacher pay. We are 51st in the nation for teacher funding, uh, for education funding, my bad. We're one of the eight states that does not account for the poverty levels of our students before we distribute budgets. And and it blows my mind. And so as I'm getting involved here, uh, there's a big sense of, one, they're not realizing that there's um, a way to do things better. A lot of the times I'm told, oh, this isn't California, we can't do it like that. Yeah, but money is money everywhere. And time is time everywhere. And workers' rights are workers' rights everywhere. Mm -hmm. Um, I have 27 kids on my caseload right now and they were saying, and I was like, yo, this is a lot, Yeah, it's a lot to manage. I also teach two different programs in one day, inclusion and resource. Um, Inclusion is where there are JNED students and IEP students in the same class. Uh, Resource for those who don't know is um, students with special needs uh, who are much more, not much more intensive, but intense um, to the point where they need a smaller setting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll have about 14 kids and the amount of, that's just how it is, is outrageous. Um, and I'm, I'm trying to be curious about it. I spoke to my therapist about it cause it was pissing me off the other day. And I said, Hey, how do I get them to see that there's a different way? How do I get them to see that there, there is another way that is productive without getting pissed off. Cause I was getting mad. I actually tried to quit right before Thanksgiving or right before fall break, because I was like, this is bullshit. And every time I try to bring up workers' rights or teachers' rights and how they're not different, they're the same. There, There shouldn't be a, you know, they shouldn't be divested, they shouldn't be different. People are like, well, that's just how it is. Why? And I don't understand that. There's a large sense of... I don't think people realize that if this were a male dominated field, we wouldn't be having this conversation um, because they assume that everyone in the teaching field is uh, has a partner or is married. Not all of us are. And so I'll be completely honest, my checks, my checks for teaching with a master's degree as a bilingual person in a highly needed field are only double what my dishwashing pay is. Mm-mm. That alone, is outrageous and I was like why would teachers stay so when we're talking about teachers rights when we're talking about workers rights um they are the same teachers should not be expected to work outside their working hours and uh, my co-teacher and I were really tight but we have very different views on things I don't think he realizes I'm a communist yet um (laughs) they're like you could just you know buy a house and rent it out and I was like "Yeah, why Housing is a human right, (laughs) but um, he was like, I was like, you don't ask doctors to spend time outside of their time to earn their salary. He's like, yeah, but they make more. And I'm like, without us, there are no doctors. That's true. We are the alpha to every omega. (laughs) I'm sorry. I don't feel bad for saying that. We are the alpha to absolutely every omega that is out there without reading, without writing, without um, math. And just basic math, you don't need crazy calculus to succeed in life. Um, you don't need algebra to succeed in life. Um, just math, you're fine. Mm-hmm. Not those things, we do not have the doctors. We do not have the engineers, we do not have, um, I said, you're not asking other people to take time away from their life, their people, their work, You know the things they like to do outside to give here. You're not asking other people to do that. Why should we? Why is this the one profession that is expected to give and give and give and then be gaslit with the? Well, you know what it was like, bruh? I didn't know. I don't think anyone I anyone. I don't, I don't think anyone. Um, well, and then they say things like, Didn't you know the salary was that low? And I was like, No, they don't tell you what your real salary is going to be. They don't tell you your take home pay, they give you an about figure. And then they have you choose your health care. In Oakland, we don't pay for our health care, the district does. So this was my first time paying for health care in years. And then they don't tell you how much they take out for taxes. So you don't know your take-home pay. They also don't tell you what counts as in-class experience versus not. I was a paraeducator for about a year. They won't count that as time in the classroom as a teacher, I worked on the reservation for three years as a liaison between the public schools and the, um, the reservation, won't count that, even though I had like my own class. So it's very different from other jobs.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: They're like, oh, well, there are people willing to take the jobs. That means it's an okay salary. No, it is not operated off of the free market like other jobs, we cannot negotiate our salaries. Were you able to negotiate your
1: salaries? No, well here, you know, also here in Chicago, I, I shared with you a little bit um, on our on our mm-hmm. call before, and I say, you know, I think, thankfully, you know the the environment that Chicago has now cultivated because of its sense of advocacy from the teachers union, really, you know, in, in reality. Um, has been to the benefit of its educators because not only you know not only are teachers' um, salaries negotiated, but the the really the strong stance of human rights you know that the union tries to advocate for and now is seen across a lot of even charter school campuses because Chicago has um, the Chicago Teachers Union also has a charter. Um, union chapter Hmm. I know you know go back like 15 years (laughs) where the Chicago teachers unions were so you know so adamant about getting charters out (laughs) and now now we're you know here you know 15 years later and there is a charter union chapter Um, wow and but our conversation really you know extended to the point of The sense of advocacy because we have uh, an environment that has advocated and has afforded a lot of comfort Mm -hmm. right amongst educators. Um, That leaves then that that still sense of well, what do, how do we continue to advocate right? How do we continue to grow? Because exactly, it's not just educators here in Chicago, or it shouldn't be just educators here, you know, in Chicago and in Illinois. When we hear that Arizona is, you know, facing all of the needs that it has, and we hear from educators such as yourself, like, how can we just stay here in our comfort, right? And be like, oh, it's okay you know, when it's not, it right. is not okay, because a teacher is a teacher, we all go through teacher education programs, we all go through, you know, the certification exams, and the EdTPA and all of the things that come down, oh, right, all of the things <laughs> that come down from legislation yeah. and policy, and, you know, national, like norms, really, in reality, that then transfer into different states, we're all educators, mm-hmm. so, right. you know, so I, I question a little bit of like, where do we go from here now, just because things have been advocated and granted in one state or city, how do we connect each mm-hmm. other? Because there's still needs. So we, in Chicago, we might, we might not be fighting the, you know, the salary, um, the salary need right now, but we're advocating for the needs of our students right for the needs of, right. of safety of cleanliness like in our school buildings right now right. Chicago right now has a really big issue with its maintenance staff I mean I've heard really really bad and and so it's like it's basic human rights you know we're, we're still mm-hmm. we're still seeing similar needs but how do we collectively come together and now have a voice right and i think that's
2: a large part of it is there
1: is there is differences within NEA
2: itself the united uh, the national educators association right there's massive different differences between us three and three women from northern connecticut and three women from houston three women from the bay there's going to be massive differences in ideology in how you think education is supposed to be and I thought about it the other day, like considering how much we've grown as, as a profession, just in the last 30 years, we should be doing things differently.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: There's so much that we've learned, and I'm not just talking about big cases like Brown versus the Board of Education or Mendez versus, uh, I think it's West, uh, Westminster, Westminster uh, School Districts of Orange County or Mend, um, I think, what was uh, the last one, Hernandez versus Texas, all were fought in order to, you know, work towards um, access to the resources that white students had. Mm-hmm. And if we really look at the data, we still don't have that brown and black students do not we face a funding gap of about 150 billion dollars majority brown black and schools or brown black and brown schools will face that funding gap between schools with the majority white population and we have to look at from top down how do we change funding structures because if you're going to base it off of property taxes off of income taxes off of things like that forever you are going to keep poor schools poor and rich schools rich yeah that type of funding structure ends up, that combined with attendance-based funding, attendance-based funding is absolute trash. Um, it, that makes schools double funded in a school district that doesn't need the funding because their kids just are able to get to school.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. I had a student who just started back at school and I was like, girl, where you been? I haven't seen you in months. And she's like, we had to go back to Mexico. My dad's uh, grandparents died And I was like, yo, that's real. Like, we're not seeing the human aspect of it. You're making up these uh, funding structures. And when I was doing my research for for my master's, um, many, many crying nights, many nights of crying. Um, I read this thing that said, California finds the current state funding structure, attendance-based funding and things like that are valid and hold weight. And I was like, bitch, where? Where? Because I work in Oakland. There is no way that your funding structure works for a space like Oakland. It works for middle-class yeah. to family income. Uh, it does not work for working-class, poverty-level income families. Yeah. And you cannot apply the same model to those things. The same way you can't apply the same teaching models for white suburban neighborhoods to brown and black neighborhoods. And that's not to say they learn differently That's to say that there are possibly cultural differences that need to be taken into account. My students roast the shit out of me on a daily basis. And I'm just like, yeah. And it's fine, because I'll roast them back. Um, But that's how Latin families are, Mexican families are. I'm okay with that. Other teachers get real mad. My students will call me Miss Reyna, and they're like, why you let them call you by your name? And I'm like, it's my name, bro. Yeah, what my dad calls me other than Chola. My dad calls me Chola. Um, but I was like, but my, that's what my dad calls me. Why won't I let you call me that? Because then it creates a division and I'm not divided from you. Um, so even if you look at your, your campus small, right? If I were to ask another teacher, for example, how they feel about the Kyle Rittenhouse trial, I'm not sure I will get the same response that I feel.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. I am from a small town. I know certainly there are people, I saw it on Facebook the other day, they're like, they always want to compare it to George Floyd and I'm like, because it's, it's not just about George Floyd. It's about the m- thousands, possibly millions of other black and brown, particularly black men who are attacked by the system. Well, shouldn't Kyle Rittenhouse's life matter? Um, no, <laughs> you murdered two people after crossing a state line with a massive weapon that is designed to murder people. Mm-hmm. No. And I'm like, man, hold that same energy. If George Floyd was a was a criminal because he had shit done in his past, why isn't Kyle for murdering people? Hold your energy consistent or just admit you don't like Black people. Yeah. Like, say what you mean to say. Because um, I'm going to say what I mean to say. And I mean to say that no one should be murdered by the police. (laughs) Like no one should be murdered, like as a general rule. But, um, you know, especially state sanctioned murder, you know, my taxes are going there, unfortunately. Um, And so I'm not confident that everyone on campus has the same mission, has the same viewpoints, has the same um, love in a way that I am going to see it, taken as a pathway um, towards educating kids. If you okay. need to love as an actor.
0: That's why our work is so important, right? Because we're educating <laughs> a generation that's going to have the ability to change the world. And if we continue to have educators who have that one very Anglo mentality, right? That's, mm-hmm. gonna, that's what it's gonna continue to be. So we need to push for more educators who are going to bring in this lens of, hey, this isn't okay. This isn't right. something that's supposed to be normal. You shouldn't be right. just attacked because of your skin color. Like we need to start pushing more this agenda as opposed to the agenda of like, well, that's the way it is, right? It is what it is. And it mm-hmm. is what it's been for a long time. And that's where we come in. Like that's yeah. that's where we have to push for that and advocate for that. And I I like what you said about, it's going to differ across every educator because within my classroom, I know what I'm doing, right? Yeah. I have no idea what the teacher across the hall is doing. I have no idea how they're approaching certain situations. And it's because it's not coming from above. There is no policy that says like, this is how we're gonna approach certain things. It's so blurry and so gray. That every educator yeah, that- is going to go in there and do whatever they want. And as a result, we have these generations of people who are like, well, but he was in self-defense and it was self-defense, right? And other people right. who are like, but he killed people. Like, that's not okay. But, but you
2: definitely murdered people and shot another. <laughs> <Why>? Right, <laughs> right. Um, And it's because we automatically know what would happen if Kyle had been brown or black. He would be a thug or a terrorist. Mm-hmm. And we already know that. Um, and that, that hurts. Uh, that hurts knowing that. Um, that hurts knowing that I have to kind of tiptoe around some things at work because I already know there are some with an ideology that I'm not a fan of. Um, and then I don't feel as right. Um, but, uh, you know, because, and I'm open with my students, I don't ever like tell them that, like, you can't ask anything about me. One day, one student was like, well, what do you do for Easter? Because we are just talking about holidays. Like, what's your favorite? And I was like, uh, nothing. No, I don't do anything. And they're like, why? And I was like, well, I don't, I'm not Christian. They were like, what? And and what came out of her mouth was, but you're Mexican. <laughs> I was a baby. <laughs> and I was like, yeah. Damn. I said, I believe in a possibility of a God. I do not believe in a Christian deity. And they were like, wow, they'd never met someone. And I was like, they were like, well, does it? And she asked a question that I thought was really cool. She was like, is it because you're, and she stopped. And I was like, ask what you want to ask. She was like, is it because you're queer? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I was like, part of it. I felt I could not be the person I am and hold this Catholic Christian ideology.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And she was
2: like, I'm sorry you went through that. And I was like, these kids are way better than adults, man. I was like, they're awesome. Because she can make a connection and then recognize that that had an effect on me in a, in a very negative way. And she was like, I'm really sorry you went through that miss. And I was like, thank you but I'm okay now. I'm all right. And it doesn't change. It doesn't change our relationship at all. Like I still work with them the same way I would work with anyone else who asked me like a question. I know sometimes they have some very over boundary questions and I I just say that's a boundary. Nope. And they're like, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Boundary. And they're like, oh, sorry. Like they're just much better than their adult counterparts. I'm like, oh, I, I, I joke with them all the time. I'm like, oh, I hate people. And that's generally because I have social like anxiety and they're like, you don't like me. And I'm like, nah, you're better than them. And that makes them feel they're like, okay. Okay. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah,
2: yeah it's, it's a very different because um, I'm sure if they asked other teachers that they would have like lost their mind. And
0: I'm like, I don't care. We're in class together all the time. Why not know who I am? that's huge and I think you mentioned it in the beginning about treating kids as humans Mm -hmm. and um there was an episode last season where Maggie was interviewing me and she's like what do you do in your classroom and I'm like I just talk to them like humans because I know I I didn't get that right all of my teachers were white or even if they were brown they didn't relate to me and Mm -hmm. it I was spoken to as a child, which I get it, like I was, but I wasn't spoken to as a human. And I felt like I wasn't spoken to as a human within my own household. And Mm. they spend so much time with us, sometimes more than they would in their own house, in their own homes, that they should be validated as humans in at least one space of their life. So I literally go in there and I tell them how it is, you know, like I, I don't sugarcoat things all the time. And I tell them like, this is, this is the consequence that you get for this action. And, you know, you're safe here in school, but that doesn't mean that it's going to remain that way outside of this classroom. And they need to be able to acknowledge that and understand that. And I think we don't always realize the power that we have when Mm -hmm. we're speaking to children, because we literally have the ability to show them anything that we can, right? And right. They're, they're in such spaces where they respect you and they will listen to everything that you say. Why not use that to right. ensure that they're becoming the best human beings they can be? Yeah. I love that. And I love that at the center of that, um, What I'm what,
2: what I'm hearing at the center of that is 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 love. Love is an action. Love is uh something that you do every day. Um at the beginning of the year, we had to read this book called Onward. Um, and in full transparency, I didn't read shit. Um I was I was not in a great space. Um my mother was sick, and unfortunately she passed a week after we started school. So I was like, not in a great space. And I was like, also, the book is called I'm looking at it right now, Onward. And it said some shit like creating resiliency within uh, teachers. And I was like, you know what helps me feel resilient? Money. Yeah. Money and healthcare mm-hmm. um, for me and my child. Um, because first off, when we're talking about teacher salary, when we're talking about, and we do this in the, I noticed people do this in the classroom as well. Um, they're like, well, they no one is looking at what happens to the lowest part of people, not lowest part, how do I say, the the people who are at the most disadvantage of your system, no one is looking at that. And uh, I am a movie buff, so I will quote a movie. In Robin Hood with Russell Crowe, he says, you build a country like you build a church from a foundation. And when you bring up that foundation, everybody does better. And I've, I've kept that. And I'm like, oh, I like that. I like that. Um, Russell Crowe, Ridley Scott are a great team. Um, they do really well together. But um, when we're talking about teacher pay, no one is looking at, I'm a single parent. I have a 14 year old son. Dude eats everything, <laughs> everything. He wears a size nine or 10 inch shoes. Those are big shoes. Those are expensive shoes. Um, he's a big boy. Um, he's like getting more like solid and, and muscly. So I have to get bigger shirts. I have to, no one is looking at like, when they're making these salaries, they're like, I think they're making this assumption. Yeah, like if we just partial out, parsing out this, how am I trying to say? Portion out this like, whatever, here, here, here. That seems all right. That seems okay. But they're not looking at the human aspect. Some of us are single parents. I have debated leaving the uh, education system because of the pay. Not because of the love I have, but because of the pay. Um, this will most likely be my last year teaching for a while. Just because your girl needs to make some money. Um, secondly, they do that in the classroom as well. They look at, oh, but these kids who just need the extra bump, inclusion works for them. And I'm like, what about the one consistently fail? I'm not worried about the kids who pass. Because the kids who pass have already shown those skills in resiliency. They've showed skills in um, being able to do an error analysis. And frustration level to, uh, frustration tolerance. I'm worried about the ones who fail. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm looking at. Uh, because 86% of juvenile justice is made up of students with disabilities. And that is a horrifying statistic. And once they enter juvenile, uh, the recidivism rate is about 70 to 85%. Once they go, they will return, which creates which makes special education a tributary to the prison pipeline. That shit needs to be shut down. So as, we're, as I'm looking at this book, I'm like, it's so massively fucking disconnected from what we need. What I read last year was bell hooks all about love. Wonderful book. If you have not read it, I read a few things and I was listening to it and I was working outside. That's one of the things I like to do. Um, I'm working in my garden, getting my, you know, I was digging a tree well and I'm listening, listening and there's a quote that says love is as love does love is as love does and i was like ooh ooh i stopped my i stopped and rewound on my phone and i was like damn love is as love does and i think that would have been a way better way to start the year love is as love is instead of cultivating emotional resilience and educators, pay me, pay me. I'm that's very, it's very easy. Um, that pay, if you pay us better,
0: mm-hmm.
2: that will allow me to do the free. Th- One of the things on there is to get a hobby bitch. When I am a dishwasher at night. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I wash dishes. I had to yell at someone yesterday. I spent all day at work right at school when our AC was our AC went out for like an hour in Arizona. It was great. While it is November here, it's still in the mid eighties. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was hot. All my lessons went to trash. Um, so we watched Cinderella, the one with Brandy and Whitney Houston. Um, Cause that's the best one. <laughs> so that happened. I had to tell students things like, hey, don't put your hands on him. I had another student break down and cry because the teacher was mean to him, um, like sob cry. Um, so it was an interesting day. Leave that job and go to the restaurant. I had to yell at someone because the pans were, um, they're all burnt and I, I couldn't get them clean. And I had to poke my head from behind the dish pit and say, whoever's burning the pans needs to stop. And the, the one other Mexican who works in the kitchen kind of looked at me and I was like Todo está quemados. I was like, stop it. And he was like, I'm sorry. <laughs> and he was like, okay, I'm sorry. So that's my day. So you're telling me to get a hobby? And I need to pay more, I need to use more time to live? Friend, friend, you're massively disconnected if you think that what I need from this system is to get a fucking hobby. What you want me to do, do a paint night when I'm worried about how I'm going to, how I'm going to pay for my car, my insurance and stuff. How am I going to do a sip and paint night? Mm -hmm. I can't enjoy my Moscato doing that. Um, There's no way. Uh, There's one about what they say, eat healthy. I don't remember to eat sometimes. There is a steady pack of Celsius at my school so that I have some sort of energy through the day. I was like, so when, when we're being told, um, just just take some self-care, you gonna pay for that? Yeah. So I think a lot of the things that we're told, like you said, are disconnected. Mm-hmm. You want me to self-care friend? What? Pay me. Um, at the beginning of the year when I was having my complete breakdown and I was like, I wanna quit, I had an instructional coach tell me, you're appreciated. And I said, I wish that translated into pay. Mm -hmm. That's how people feel appreciated. Mm -hmm. I was like, I'm to a point in my life slash career where appreciations don't come with pay, food and or alcohol. I'm done. Like that. I'm like, no, thank you. You gonna feed me? You gonna buy me a drink? You gonna pay me? Okay, thank you.
1: We're we're it's not worth my time. We're working on some merch ideas and I am putting that and I'm gonna uh, send the proceeds to to you. Uh pay me, you know, yeah. educators, pay me and then pay food or alcohol. That's the shirt.
2: Cash app, food or alcohol. That's it. I, I was like, um one of the someone on TikTok asked, how can we support your classroom? Um and I was like, Cash app, girl. Get something off the Amazon list. The kids were so stoked when we got books. Like they lost their minds. It was so cute. And I it like made my heart happy because if you have access to books, you have access to things. And I've even told them, like you said, we hold a lot of power. So I'll tell them like, like miss, is this what I would have to do in real life? And I'm like, baby, no. I'll be honest with you. I said, there are ways you can get out of not knowing how to do math. You have a calculator. No one's gonna ask you to find the value of X and slope intercept form, no, no. What they will ask you is how to read a lease agreement. If anything, read. I was like, please, I was like, if you don't do my work for my class, do the work for uh, reading, do the work for your writing class, please do those. I was like, so if you don't wanna do my stuff, I can't force you. And I think that's what a lot of teachers don't realize. I can't force them to do shit. You can't force me to do shit. Um, so I'm like, just expect to be held accountable, natural consequence, um, but I'm not gonna force you. Just, if you're not gonna do my stuff, do someone else's, read and write. Cause that will be what um, blocks access for things. So yeah, that was a lot, sorry.
0: Just something that's stuck with me that you you just said is that when your kids saw the books and they were so excited. It was so cute. It's so cute, but it's so sad because they don't have like regular access to books that getting it is a luxury. And that itself shows so much that is lacking with our schools and with our system.
2: Yeah. 100% 100% what I do really think is cool about my school is we do live in a conservative space but my and my principal was like yo you're gonna we're gonna learn about queer things you're gonna be respectful to queer kids and I was like dope I run a kind of organization loose organization called queer in Arizona where I post events that are happening for queer folks in Arizona and I host them we had a queer picnic we did a meetup um lately I've just been overloaded with the two jobs and stuff to do more but that's um, so what my FaceTime was. She just texted me and said, yo, I found a space for us. Um, so I'm trying to cultivate spaces for queer folks as well. And one of the things that um, a lot of us have said is like, I just wish I knew that I was okay growing up. And so I'm honest with my students when they're like, do you have a boyfriend? And I'm like, no. And they're like, is it a girlfriend then? And I was like, Yeah, and they're like, oh, okay, cool. And that opens up a lot of, um, being vulnerable with your kids opens up a lot uh, in terms of building a relationship with them and working with them. They're not gonna learn from you if they don't like you or trust you. Um, So um, one of the things I wanna do is host events, right? And one of the things I was like thinking of is we should do a book drive. Like just bring books um i did try to convince i was trying to be like yo let me use the school parking lot but they wouldn't let me um because it's run off of my personal instagram and my personal TikTok and stuff so it was a weird thing but one of the things i thought was like yo let's do a book drive because access to literacy is huge there's such a stark difference between those who have and those who don't have in terms of books right um kids who have books kids who have families who read to them kids who have families who graduated college will be exposed to like 70,000 more words a day that's huge so I was like yo um we should do a book drive and I remember someone being like well don't they have the library and I'm like yeah but then they're charged if it's late like just give them the books honestly I don't understand the resistance in giving kids books it's weird it's fucking weird energy but um yeah, because access to, I think there's, what is that study that says like black and brown homes do not have like books the way that white mm-hmm. families do.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, even if we are middle-class, even if we are like, you know, I say that in quotations, middle-class. So um, book drive would be dope. And it speaks a lot to what our kids don't have. Um, and I let her take it. I was like, take the book. I don't care. It's not, I don't need three copies um, just in my class. If you want to read it, read it. And so one of my students has the book and it definitely speaks volume as to what they don't have. Also, the way they treat you speaks volumes as to what they don't have. I have students who are just like, Miss, I'm feeling very sad. Can I get a hug? I'm like, yeah, come on. These are mine. These are my babies. Um, it shows you what they don't have. It shows you that they're somewhere working for jobs, a hella jobs, like somewhere they're they're locking like that like I'm okay, I'm loved and I'm safe. Uh, so I'm very explicit with them when they ask for things. I'm like, "Nah, dude, um you could you can say that. You could say you're mad." And every time they leave the class, I say, "Okay, I love you. Goodbye." And now they're starting to say it back. "Okay, I love you too. Goodbye." It's really cute. Or they go, "Okay, bye." <laughs> I taught them to do both of those.
0: That's awesome
2: yeah so book drives man books are huge like
0: well it sounds effective. like you're doing so many things to be able to help your community and your students and just the generation that's going to be the one that makes the decisions in the future so thank you so much for all the work that you're doing and all the work that you're putting in and the energy and the time and I am- you, you are very much appreciated. So appreciated. Sorry that I cannot appreciate you with money right now. <laughs> or alcohol. I mean, or alcohol. In the future, I'm yeah. sure that it will be possible.
1: We can make um, some yeah. things happen. Like, we'll make it work. <laughs> we already know.
0: Yeah. Cash at me. <laughs> <laughs> um, but not, <laughs> we are very, very grateful for the work that you are doing. And thank you thank so much you. as well for taking the time to just share some of it with us but I think I this has been the theme of this season there's just so much more to talk about that you're going to need to come back because you have so much to express and say and we want to hear it all so we're definitely going to have to call you back and uh, talk some more yeah
2: I'm in I'm in Um, I always have a lot to say Um, I don't mean to be hella long-winded but I'm just a gregarious person Um, I tend to talk, but, and I think it's also because I really have a large sense of, um, one sense of pride and sense of passion about what I'm, I'm aiming for. Right. And the goal is one, I don't think, um, people who are outside of our profession should be making decisions about our profession. And that extends to people who are not in the classroom. Even if they're like in the district, I don't give a fuck. You don't make decisions. We do. Um, that should automatically be a thing. Um, like I said, I had a, I was totally gaslit by one of our instructional coaches. So now when they're like, you oh, are you going to meet with the coach? Hell no. That bitch disrespected me. Mm-hmm. I was like, no. Um, because if you're going to see another person struggling and say, well, there are people who have been here who also managed it. I'm going to say that's because you don't know any better. That's because you don't know that there's a different way to do this. Um, she gaslit me. I don't like that. I was like, I see what you're doing. I can recognize your shit now and I'm, I'm not messing with it. I'm good. Thank you.
0: Yeah.
2: I'll manage it in my own way. And if the district wants me to do shit on time, they should give me the time to do it and the pay to allow me to not have two jobs in order to do it. Um, so that extends to the district. That extends to politicians who have interest in vouchers and charter schools and private schools. It's interesting. Chicago has a charter school thing. Because I would not be open to that. I'd be like, no, thank you. No, thanks. It's the general sense of that. You know, we understand. (laughs) I'd be like, no, thank you. You take money from me. Goodbye. (laughs) Um, So, but I'm interested to see how that works. I'm also interested to see how um, other states have responded to it, especially states without a real teacher's union. We have an association. So I don't think they have that bargaining power they think they don't have bargaining power um i think if everyone just went on a strike and really held out this time that'd be really dope i'm always down for a good strike um Mm -hmm. and in the long run it would benefit kids if teachers really stood up and were very tough on their boundaries and held them uh because kids would get the support i have parents who thank us all the time you're doing so much thank you you're doing so much but your kids deserve more. Yeah, and there is the way to do it, and I've seen it. I was there. <laughs> I was. I did it in Oakland. I was like, I've seen it and I've done it. And if you would give me the opportunity to really help you, I can show you. Yeah. But I think a lot of uh, there's a lot of pushback on that. I also think that there's a tremendous amount of um, complacency, yeah. and um, you can't get complacent in things like this because people in power will remain in power. If you don't do something, um, so that's, you, you can attack it from several different points. Attack it at the school level, attack it at, you know, working with parents, um, you yourself getting that voice out and um, voting out every politician that has any like private school voucher ideology. Uh, no, public school was meant to be public school. And, uh, if you feel otherwise, like you can go friend, like get. Um, also people who support insurrections should not be serving still. Um, that's a thing in Arizona for some reason. So yeah, there's a lot of ways we can attack this. And I think that once we start continuing these, these talks, these conversations with other teachers that are like us, we can start doing more. Um, I know I'm annoying to some of the district. I definitely got a threat the other day that was like, What if I send this to your superintendent? And I was like, call her, do
0: it. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
2: Have her meet with me. I would love to talk to her. Mm -hmm. Um, I found her dissertation and I read it. So I'm not super confident about what she's doing right now anyway. So we can talk because I know where her dissertation surrounds and I'm not about it. Mm -hmm. PLCs and testing. (laughs) You're right. yes I was like no there are ways to do this there are ways we can be different there's ways we can be innovative and I know a lot of it is people are over me and being like I'm definitely called a hippie at work and I'm like yeah and I have feelings bro like I'm processing them um, so things like talking about love as an action talking about love as um, the center point of what we do as a field and love is also standing up for yourself. Yeah. Love is also recognizing that your friends, your colleagues, uh, there's women in my hall that I'm like, that woman, she got it. She got the sauce. Um, like, uh, the two women who shared the the wall with me. Um, one of them actually intervened, uh, supportively when my student was just breaking down. It was like, if you need space. I got space for you. And I like saw that. And I was like, I like that because you extended, you, you opened up in a way that not a lot of people would. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was just like, that's beautiful. Thank you. Um, it's recognizing that those colleagues also deserve better. It's recognizing our kids deserve better. Um, it's recognizing that there's a stark difference between, oh my God, we have a teacher shortage, but we don't have a district slash admin shortage. Like the fuck is that? Um, it's weird. Yeah. I was like, no, we can attack this. Yeah. And I'm always down for a strike, for a protest, anything regarding workers' rights, teachers' rights, uh, and vice versa, um, and solidarity between workers because it's not just us. Um, nurses are underpaid. Servers are underpaid. I got offered a job as a server for $9.50 an hour, and I was like, no thanks. Oh, my No God. thanks. Nine fifty, and then she goes, Oh, but if you, um, yeah, Arizona's trash, bro. Um, (laughs) this place is horrible and it could get better, but everyone's like, we're cowboys and we are, I was like, yeah, but cowboys also had skills and education. Did you not know doc holiday? Dude was a dentist. (laughs) I was like, so uh, maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just me, but, um, I was like, yeah, Uh, she said, if you close, you'll get $10 and 50 cents. And I was like, that sounds like way too much responsibility for a dollar more. I was like, no, pay me. No. There's so much to do. There's so much to do in terms of workers' rights, in terms of social justice, um, in terms of racial justice, um, talking about restorative justice on campus. when we started doing, when we started our school stuff, they said, who has a uh, background in restorative justice? And I'm I'm stupid, I raise my hand because I'm assuming other people will. And I'm like, oh, me, I was one of like four. Because uh-huh. like, yeah. now they know. <laughs> now you're the point and, person. Yeah, and so one woman said, hey, uh, what was your history in restorative justice? And I said, oh, I, I trained people for it. And she's like, oh, that's good to know. She's got great intentions. I'm really down with her being like, yeah, let's do um, restorative justice. But as a campus, I don't think we're there yet. We still have a cop on campus. And I feel a lot of ways about that. Uh, we had a first responders day and I was like, Bleh. not going. a oh. fucking SWAT truck was there. And I was like, no, <laughs> no! no, go away. <laughs> Please go home. Yeah, no. And it's not like I dislike this you know, cop as a person, I just, I'm not a fan of what the system does to black and brown children. And when you have a cop on campus that amplifies the amount of arrests, that amplifies uh, OSS, ISS, and, um, you know, just contributes to that tributary of the prison pipeline. And I'm just not down with that. I'm not willing to send more of my kids to jail. Yeah. Um, We started with love as an action, as a center, as our focal point.
1: then i think we would do a lot better. That's
2: um, so why i tell them every day i love you. Bye.
1: <laughs> well that is, you know, that is how we are going to wrap up this episode i think for today with love is an action and yeah. and our our traditional round of questions. So uh, cool. we usually yeah, do three three questions that we like to um Go a little bit into that like personal side. Not that we haven't gotten personal during this whole time already, but we want to ask you, um, ¿Cuál es tu canción? What is your song?
2: Oh man, Earth, Wind, and Fire, is September. Hands down, Fire. That is one of my. I went. That was my first concert, Earth, Wind, and Fire, in Shaka Khan. Oh, nice. I nice. love Earth, Wind, and Fire. And uh, when my co-teacher and I are having like a rough morning, we're like,
0: we should play Earth, Wind, and Fire. And he's like, yeah, Earth, Wind, and Fire. Awesome. The next one, I think you're going to have a hard time choosing one thing. Pero cual es tu comida favorita?
2: All of it. All (laughs) of it. All of it except onions, bell peppers, and what else? And like a yogurt texture. Oh, Okay. All of those three things, everything else on the table, I'm in, especially if it's
0: carbs. (laughs) (laughs) All the good stuff. Bread. Yes.
1: Yes. All right. And the last one's not a question, but a phrase. Complete the phrase. Voy camino rumbo a.
2: Ooh. And it's like a path, right? My Yeah, Yeah, like what path are you headed down? I'm not sure yet. Um, And I think that's the exciting part is I've always been a person who I'm unapologetically, uh, you know, I lie and I haven't always been this person. Um, It took me years of therapy to come back to who I was um, and be like, at this point, with the amount of, I've seen, I've had a lot of loss in my life. And I've seen, life is too short. I am not gonna sit here and be concerned about what anybody else is viewing me as. I'm gonna follow what I feel. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna follow the vibes. I'm gonna trust the vibes and I'm gonna trust the universe. And we'll see what happens. Um, If I teach next year, I teach next year. If I don't, I don't. Um, Regardless of what happens, I'm going to do what bell hooks has inspired me to do more of and that's lead with love and do love is as love does. And so I'm going to do what I do out of love. And that's going to be my, my center point, um, going forward, it's going to be love. That's it. Like Stevie Wonder says, love is in need of love today.
0: <laughs> do it. Amazing.
1: Awesome. Well, Thank you so much for coming on. We will definitely be in touch to continue our conversations and okay, love you, bye. Okay, love you, bye.
0: All right, so like always, this has been fun Um, and remember that you can reach out with any questions, any comments and anything else that you want to share. If you want to join in the conversation, you can find us on all platforms. We are on Instagram, on Twitter and
1: our personal favorite, TikTok. <laughs>
0: um, we are also on our website,
1: latinexchange.co. Like always, I'm Lucero and Maggie, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Hasta la próxima.